The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, continuing the story of The Hobbit. Chapter 9, The Last Debate The morning came after the day of battle, and it was fair with light clouds and the wind turning westward. Legolas and Gimli were early abroad, and they begged the leave to go up into the city, for they were eager to see Merry and Pippin. It is good to learn that they are still alive, said Gimli, for they caused us great pains in our march over Rohan, and I would not have such pains all wasted. Together the elf and the dwarf entered Minas Tirith, and folk that saw them pass marveled to see such comparisons. Companions, for Legolas was fair of face beyond the measure of men, and he sang an elven song in a clear voice as he walked in the morning, but Gimli stalked beside him, stroking his beard and staring about him. That is some good stone work here, he said as he looked at the walls, but also some that is less good, and the streets could be better contrived. When Argon comes into his own, I shall offer him the service of stone rights of the mountain, and we shall, and we will make this a town to be proud of. They need more gardens, said the Golas. The houses are dead, and there is little, too little here that grows and is glad. If Argon comes into his own, the people of the wood shall bring him birds that sing and trees that do not die. At length they came to the prince Imrahil, and Legolas looked at him and bowed low, for he saw that here indeed was one who had elven blood in his veins. Hail, lord, he said, it is long since the people of Nimrodel left the woods of Lorien, and yet still one may see that not all sailed from Amroth's haven west of water. So it is said in my lord so it is said in the in the lore of my land said the prince yet never has one of the fair folk been seen there for years beyond count and i marvel to see one here in the midst of our sour and war what do you seek i am one of the nine companions who set out with mithrandir from emeraldris said legolas and with this dwarf my friend i came with the lord aragorn but now we wish to see our friends meridoc and peregrine who are in your keeping we are told you will find them in the houses of healing and I will lead you thither, said Imrahil. It will be enough if you send one to guide us, Lord, said Legolas, for Aragorn sends this message to you. He does not wish to enter the city again at this time, yet there is need for captains to hold counsel at once, and he prays that you and Eomer of Rohan will come down to his tents as soon as may be. Mithrandir is already there. We will come, said Imrahil, and they parted with courteous words. That is that is a fair lord and a great captain of men," said the Golas. "If Gondor has such men in, have has such men still in these days of fading, great must have been its glory in the days of its rising. And doubtless the good stonework is the older and has wrought in the first building," said Gimli. "It is ever so with the things that then begin. There is a frost in spring or a blight in summer, and they fail on their promise." Yet seldom do they fail of their do they fail of their seeds," said Legolas, "and that will lie in the dust and rot to spring up again in times and places unlooked for. The deeds of men will outlast us, Gimli, and yet come to naught in the end. But might have beens, I guess," said the dwarf. To that the elves know not the answer," said Legolas. <clears throat> With that, the servant of the prince came and led them to a led them to the houses of healing. And there they found their friends in the garden, and their meeting was a merry one. For a while they walked and talked, rejoicing for a brief space in peace and rest under the morning high up in the windy circles of the city. 
Then, when Mary became weary, they went and sat upon the wall with the greensward of the houses of healing behind them, and the way southward before them was the Anduin glittering in the sun as it flowed away, out of the sight even of Legolas, into the wide flats and green haze of Lebanon and South Athelian. And now Legolas fell silent while the others talked, and he looked out against the sun, and he gazed a at and as he gazed, he saw white sea birds beating up the river. Look, he cried, gulls, they are flying far inland. A wonder they are to me, and a trouble to my heart. Never in all my life had I met them until we came to Pellegrir, and there I heard them crying in the air as we rode to the battle of the ships. Then I stood still, forgetting war in Middle-earth, for their wailing voices spoke to me of the sea. The sea, alas, I have not yet beheld it, but deep in the hearts of my kingdom, deep in the heart of all my kindred lies the sea longing which is perilous to stir alas for the gulls no peace shall i have again under beech or under elm say not so said gimli there are countless things to still there are countless things still to see in middle earth and great works to do but if all that fair folk talk if, but if all the fair folk take to the havens it will be duller world for those who are doomed to stay Dull and dreary indeed, said Mary. You must not go to the heavens, Legolas. There will always be some folk, big or little, and even a few wise a few wise dwarfs like Gimli, who need who need you. At least I hope so, though I feel somehow that the worst of this war is still to come. How I wish it was all over and well over. Don't be so gloomy, cried Pippin. The sun is shining, and here we are together for a day or two at least. I want to hear more about you all. Come, Gimli. You and Legolas have memorized your, have mentioned your strange journey with Strider about a dozen times already this morning, but you haven't told me anything about it. The sun may shine here, said Gimli, but there are memories of that road that I do not wish to recall out of the darkness. Had I known what was before me, I think that not for any friendship would I have taken the pass of the dead. The pass of the dead, said Pippin? I heard Argwin say that, and I wondered what he could mean. Won't you tell us some more? Not willingly, said Gimli, for upon that road I was put to shame. Gimli, glowing son, who had been deemed more tough than men, and harder under earth than any elf, but neither did I prove, and I was held to the road only by the will of Argorn. And by the love of those and by the love of him also, said Legolas, for all those who come to know him come to love him after the, their own fashion, even the cold maiden of the row room. It was that early morn of the day ere you came there, Mary, that we left Dunharrow, and such a fear was on all the folk that none would look on our own going, save the Lady Ewan, who lies now hurt in the house below. There was grief at the parting, and I was grieved to behold it. <clears throat> Alas, I had heart only for myself, said Gimli. Nay, I will not speak of that journey. He fell silent, but Pippin and Mary were so eager for news that at last Legolas said, I will tell you enough for your peace, for I felt not horror, not the horror, and I feared not the shadows of men, powerless and frail as I deemed them. Swiftly then he told of the haunted road under the mountains, and the dark tryst of Erich, and the great ride thence, ninety, ninety leagues and three, to Peller, <coughs> excuse me, Pellergear on Anduin, four days and nights, and on the fifth road we rode from the black stone, he said. And lo, in the darkness of Mordor, my hope rose, for in, the gl that gloom, for in that gloom the shadow host seemed to grow stronger and more terrible to look upon. Some I saw riding, some striding, yet all moving with the, great, with the same great speed. 
silent they were, but there was a gleam in their eyes. In the up, uplands of Lambden, they overtook our horses and swept around us, and would have passed us by if Aragorn had not forbidden them. At his command they fell back. Even the shades of men are obedient to his will, I thought. They may serve his needs yet. One day of light we rode, and then came the day without dawn, and still we rode on, and Cyril and Ringlo were crossed, and on the third day we came to Lin, Lin here, above the, above the mouth of Gilrain, and there men of Lampton contested the fords with fell folk of Umbar and Harad, who had sailed up the river, but defenders, but defenders and foes alike gave up the battle and fled when we came, crying out that the king of the dead was upon them. Only Angbor, lord of Lambden, had the heart to abide us, and Aragorn bade him gather his folk and come behind, if they dared, when the when the grey host had, when the grey, <coughs> excuse me, when the grey host had passed. At Pelagir, the heir of Isidore, will have need of you, he said. Thus we crossed over Gilrain, driving the allies of Mordor and Rope before us, and then we rested a while, but soon Aragorn arose, saying, Lo, already Minas Tirith is assailed. I fear that it will fail. I fear that I fear that it will fall ere we come come to its aid. So he mounted again before night and passed and went on with all the speed that our horses could endure over the plains of Lebanon. Legolas paused, paused, and sighed, and turning his eyes southward softly, he sang, "Silver flow the streams of Selas to Uri and." The green fields of Lebanon, tall grows the grass there, and the wind from the sea, the white lilies sway, and the golden bells are shaken of Malos and Elfrin, in the green fields of Lebanon, and the wind from the sea. Green are those fields in the songs of my people, but they were dark then, gray wastes in the blackness before us, and over the wide land, trampling and heated the grass and the flowers, we hunted our foes through a day and a night, until we came at the bitter end to the great river at last then i thought in my heart that we drew near to the sea for for wide was the water in the darkness and sea-birds innumerable cried on its shores alas for wailing of the gulls did not the lady tell me to beware of them and i cannot forget them for my part for my part i heeded them not said gimli for we came then at last upon the battle in earnest there at pellegrin lay the main fleet of umbar fifty great shapes fifty great ships and smaller vessels beyond count many of those that we pursued had reached the ha havens before us and brought their fear with them and some of the ships had put off seeking to escape down the river or to the reach or to reach the far shore and many of the smaller craft were ablaze but the horridrum being now driven to the brink turned at bay and they were fierce in despair and they laughed when they looked on us for they were a great army still but Argorns halted and cried with a great voice, Now come, now come, by the black stone I call you. And suddenly the shadow host that had hung back at the last came up like a gray tide, sweeping all the way before it. Faint cries I heard, and dim horses blowing, and a murmur as of countless far voices. It was like the echo of some forgotten battle in the dark years long ago. Pale swords were drawn, but I know not whether their blades would still bite, for the dead needed no longer any weapon but fear. None would, would withstand them. To every ship they came that was drawn up, and then they passed over the water to those that were anchored, and all the mar mariners were filled with the madness, and madness of terror, and le leaped overboard, saved the slaves chained to the oars. Reckless we rode among our fleeing foes, driving them 
Driving the great ships that remained, Aragorn sent one of the Dunedain, and they confronted the captives that were aboard, and bade them put aside fear and be free. Ere that dark day ended, none of the enemy were left to resist us. All were drowned, were flying south in hope to find their own lands upon foot. Strange and wonderful I thought it, that the designs of Mordor should be overthrown by such wraiths of fear and darkness. With its own weapons was it worsted. Strange indeed, said Legolas. In that hour I looked on Argon and thought about, and thought how great and terrible a lord he might have become in the strength of his will had he taken the ring to himself. Not for naught does Mordor fear him, but nobler is his spirit than the understanding of Sauron, for he is not the children of for he is not the children of Luthien. Never shall that line fail, though the years may lengthen beyond court. Beyond the eyes of the doors are such are, are such foretellings, said Gimli. But mighty indeed was Argorn that day. Lo, all the black fleet was in his hands, and he chose the greatest ship to be his own, and he went up into it. Then he let sound a great concourse of trumpets taken from the enemy, and the shadow host withdrew to the shore. There they stood silent, hardly to be seen, save for a red gleam in their eyes that caught the glare of the ships that were burning. And Argorn spoke in a loud voice to the dead men, crying, Hear now the words of the heir of Isildur, your oath is fulfilled. Go back and trouble not the valleys ever again. Depart and be at rest. And thereupon the king of the dead stood up before the host and broke his spear and cast it down. Then he bowed low and turned away, and swiftly the whole gray host drew off and vanished like a mist that is driven back by a sudden wind. And it seemed to me that I awoke from a dream. That night we rested while others labored, for there were many captives set free and many slaves released who had been folk of Gondor taken in raids. And soon also there was a great gathering of men out of Lebanon in the ether, and Ang Angbor of Lambdon came up with all the horsemen that he could muster. Now that the fear of the dead was removed, they came to aid us and to look, at, and to look on the air of Isildur, for the rumor of that name had run like fire in the dark. And that is near the end of our tale, for during that evening and night many ships were made ready and manned, and in the morning the fleet set forth. Long past it now seems, yet it was but the morn of the day ere yesterday, the sixth, since she rode from Dunharrow, but still Aragorn was driven by fear that time was too short. It is forty leagues and two from Pelagard to the landings at the Harland, he said, yet to the Harland we must come tomorrow or fail utterly. The oars were now wielded by free men, and manfully they labored. But slowly we passed up the great river, for we strove against its stream, and though that is not swift down in the south, we had no help of wind. Heavy would my heart have been for all our victory up in the havens, if Legolas had not laughed suddenly. Up with your head bare, Doran's son, he said, for thus it is spoken. Oft hope is born when all is forlorn. But what hope he saw from afar, he would not tell. When night came, it did but deepen the darkness, and our hearts were hot. For away in the north we saw a red glow under the cloud, and Aragorn said, Minus Tirith is burning. But at midnight hope was indeed born anew. Sea-crafty men of the ether gazing southward spoke of a change coming with a fresh wind from the sea. Long ere day the, mast the masted ships hoisted a sail, and our speed grew until dawn whitened, uh, whitened the foam at our prows. And so it was, as you know, that we came in the third hour of the morning with a fair wind and the sun unveiled, and we unfurled the great standard in battle. It was a great day and a great hour, whatever may come after. 
Follow what may, great deeds are not lessened in worth, said Legolas. Great deed was the writing of the past of the dead, and great it shall remain, though none be left in Gondor to sing of it in the days that are to come. And that may well befall, said Gimli, for the faces of Aragorn and Gandalf are grave. Much I wonder what what counsels they are taking and the tents there below. For my part, like Mary, I wish that with our victory the war was not over. Yet whatever is still to do, I hope to have part in it, for the honor of the folk of the lonely mountain. And I for the folk of the great wood, said Legolas, and for the love of the lord of the white tree. Then the companions fell silent, but a while they sat there in, high, in, in the high place, each busy with his own thoughts, while the captains debated. When the prince and Merle had parted from Legolas and Gimli, at once he set for Eomer, and he went down with him from the city, and not and they came to the rents of Ar, to the tents of Argorn that were set up on the field, not far from the place where King Theoden had fallen, and there they took counsel together with Gandalf and Argorn and the sons of Elrond. My lord, said Gandalf, listen to the words of the steward or Gondor before he died. You may triumph on the fields of the Pelennor for a day, but against the power that has now risen there is no victory. I do not bid you despair as he did, but to ponder the truth in these words. The stones of seeing do not lie, and not even the lord of Barad-dor can make so, make them do so. He can maybe, but his will show, but his will choose what things shall be seen by weaker minds, of causing them to make mistake, make mistake meaning of what they see. Nonetheless, it cannot be doubted that when Dinathor saw great forces arrayed against him in Mordor, and more were still being gathered, he saw that which truly is. Hardly will our strength suffice to beat off the first great assault, the next will be greater. This war is without final hope, as Denethor perceived. Victory cannot be achieved by arms, whether you sit here to endure siege after siege, or march out to be overwhelmed beyond the river. You have only a choice of evils, and prudence would counsel you to strengthen such great strong places as you have, and there wait, await the onset, for so shall the time before your end be made a little longer. Then you would have us retreat to Minas Tirith or Dol Imroth or to Dunharrow, and there, and there sit like children on sand castles when the tide is flowing, said Imrahil. That would be no new counsel, said Gandalf. Have you not done this in little more in the days of Dinathor? But no, I said this would be prudent. I do not counsel prudence. I said victory could not be achieved by arms. I still hope for victory, but not by arms. For, the, for into the midst of all these policies comes the ring of power, the foundation of Baradur, and the hope of Sauron. Concerning the thing, my lords, you know all, no, you, you now all, concerning this thing, my lords, you now all know enough for that understanding of our plight and of Sauron's. If he regains it, your valor is vain, and his victory will be swift and complete so complete that none can foresee the end of it while this world lasts. If it is destroyed, then he will fall, and his fall will be so low that none can foresee his arising again, for he will lose the best part of the strength that was native to him in his beginning, and all that was made or begun with, the, with that power will crumble, and he will be maimed forever, becoming a mere spirit of malice that nods itself in the shadows but cannot grow or take shape, and so a great evil of this world will be removed." Other evils there are that are that may come, for Sauron is himself but a servant of or emissary. Yet it is not our part to master all the tides of the world, but to do what is in us for the so, succor, sorcerer, 
of those years wherein we are set uprooting the evil in the fields that we know so that those who live after may have clean earth to till what whether they shall have is not ours to rule Masara knows all this, and he knows that this precious thing which he lost has been found again, but he does not yet know where it is, or so we hope, and therefore he is now in great doubt. For if we have found this thing, there are some among us with strength enough to wield it. That too he knows. For do I not guess rightly, Argorn, that you have shown yourself to him in the stone of Orthanc? I did, so ere I rode from the Hornburg, said Ar answered Argorn, I deemed that the time was ripe, and that the stone had come to me for just such a purpose. It was then ten days since the ring-bearer went east from Roras, and the eye of Sauron, I thought, should be drawn out from his own land. Too seldom has he been challenged since he returned to his tower, though if, he had, though if I had foreseen how swift would be this, not, uh, this onset and answer, maybe I should not have dared to show myself. There time was given me to come to your aid." But how is this? said Eomer. All, all is vain, you say. If he has the ring, why should, he, why should he think it not vain to assail us if we have it? He is not sure yet, said Gandalf, and he has not built up his power by waiting until his enemies are secure, as we have done. Also, we cannot learn how to wield the full power all in a day. Indeed, it can be used only by one master alone, not by many, and he will look for a time to time of strife ere one of the great among us makes himself master and puts down the others in that time the ring might aid him if if he were sudden he is watching he sees much and hears much his nazgul are still abroad they passed over this field ere the sunrise though few of the weary and sleeping were were aware of them he studies the signs the sword that robbed him of his treasure we made the winds of fortune turning in our favor, and the defeat unlooked for, for, and the defeat unlooked for of his first assault, the fall of his great captain. His doubt will be growing even as we speak here. His eyes now straining towards us, blind almost to all that is moving. So we must keep it. Therein lies all our hope. This then is my counsel. We have not the ring in in, in wisdom or great folly. It has been sent away to be destroyed, lest it destroy us. Without it, we cannot by force defeat his force. But we must all at we must at all costs keep his eye from his true peril. We cannot achieve a victory by arms, but by arms we can give the ring bearer his only chance, frail though it may be. As Argorn has begun, so he must go on. We must push Sauron to his last throw. We must call out his hidden strength so that he shall empty his land. We must march out to meet him at once. We must make ourselves debate. Though the jaws should close on us, he will take the bait in hope and in greed, for he will think that in such rashness he sees the pride of the new ring lord, and he will say, So, he pushes out his neck too far and too far. Let him come on, and behold, I will have him in a trap from where, it, from which he cannot escape. There I will crush him, and what has taken in his insolence shall be mine again forever. We must walk open wide into that trap with courage, but small hope for ourselves. For, my lords, it may well prove that we ourselves shall perish utterly in the black battle far from the living lands, so that even in Baradur be thrown down, we shall not live to see a new age. But this, I deem, is our duty, and better so than to perish nonetheless, as we, shall sh as we surely shall if we sit here, and know as we die that no new age shall be. They were silent for a while. At length Argorn spoke. As I have begun, so I will go on. 
We come now to the very brink where hope and despair are again, to waver us to fall. Let none now reject the counsel of Gandalf, whose long, lab whose long labors against Sauron come at last to their test. But for him all would long ago have been lost. Nonetheless, I do not claim to command any man. Let others choose as they will. Then said Elra here, From the north we came with this purpose, and from Elrond, our father, we brought this very counsel. We will not turn back. As for myself, said Eomer, I have little knowledge of these deep matters, but I need it not. This I know, and it is enough that as my friend Argon succored me and my people, so I will aid him when he calls. I will go. As for me, said Imahil, the Lord Argon I hold to be my liege lord, whether he claim it or no. His wish is to me a command. I will go also. Yet for a while I t stand in place of the steward of Gondor, and it is mine to think first of its people. To prudence some heed must still be given, for he must prepare against all chances, good as well as evil. Now it may be that we shall triumph, and while there is any hope of this, Gondor must be protected. I would not have us return with victory to a city in ruins and a land ravaged behind us. And yet we learn from the royal room that there is an army still unfought upon our northern flank. That is true, said Gandalf. I do not counsel you to leave the city all un unmanned. Indeed, the force that we lead east need not to need not be good enough for any assault in earnest upon Mordor, so long as it be good enough to challenge battle. And it must move soon. Therefore, I ask the captains what force could we muster and lead out in two days against two days against the latest, and they must be handy men that will go willingly, knowing their peril. All the wary and very many have have wounds light or grievous said Eomer, and we have suffered much loss of our horses and that is ill to bear if we must ride soon then i cannot hope to lead even two thousands and yet leave as many for the defence of the city we have not only to reckon with those who fought on this field said argon new strength is on the way from the southern thieves, thieves and now the coasts have been rid for thousands i sent more i sent marching from Pelagir through lost an arch two days ago, and Angbor the fearless ride before them. If we set out in two days more, they will draw nigh ere we depart. Moreover, many were bidden to follow me up the river in any craft they could gather, and with this wind they came up they came and with this the wind they will soon be at hand. Indeed several ships have already come to the Harland. I judge that we could lead out seven thousands of forest and foot and yet leave the city in better defense than it was that than it was when the assault began. The gate is destroyed, said Imrahil, and where is now the skill to rebuild it? It set it up anew. In Erebor, in the kingdom of Dane, there was such skill, said Argorn, and it and if all our hopes do not perish, then in time I will send Gimli's Gloin Gimli Gloinson to ask for rights of the mountain. But men are better than gates, and no gate will endure against our enemy if men desert it. This, then, was the end of the debate of the lords, that they should set forth on the second morning from that day for seven thousands, if these might be found, and the great part of this force should be on foot, because of the evil winds into which they would go. Argon should find some two thousands of those that he had gathered to him in the south, but Imrahil should find three and half a thousands, and Eomer five hundreds of the Rorim who were unhorsed, but themselves were worthy, and he himself should lead five hundreds of his best riders on horse, and another company of five hundred horse 
there should be, among which should ride the sons of Elrond, with the Dúnedain and the knights of Dol Amroth, all told six thousand foot and a thousand horse. But the main strength of the Rohirrim that remained horsed and able to fight, some three thousand under the command of Elfhelm, should waylay the west road against the enemy that was in Anorian. And at once swift riders were sent out to gather what news they could northwards, and eastwards from Osgiliath, and the road to Minas Morgul. And when they had reckoned up all their strength and taken thought for the journeys they should make and the roads they should choose, Imhil suddenly laughed about. Surely, he cried, this is the greatest chest in all of the history of Gondor, that we should ride with seven thousand, scarce many scarce as many as the vanguard of its army in the days of its power, to assail the mountains in the impenetrable gate of the black land, so might a child threaten a mail clad knight with a bow of string and a green willow. If the Dark Lord knows so much as you say, Mithrandir, will he not rather smile than fear, and with his little finger crush us like a fly that tries to sting him? No, he will try to trap the fly and take the sting, said Gandalf, and there are names among us with, with names among us that are worth more than a thousand milk-clad knights apiece. No, he will not smile. Neither shall we, said Aragorn. If this be just, then it is too bitter for laughter. Nay, it is the last move in the great je great jeopardy, and for one side or the other, it will bring the end of the game. Then he drew and drill and held it up the held it up glittering in the sun. You shall not be sheathed again until the last battle is fought, he said.